Hello, it's 20th of February 2017 and this is episode 18 of Scavengers Horde, a Star Wars podcast. I'm Rachel. And I'm Kirsty. We're here to deliver a regular rundown of Star Wars news, analysis and commentary with a focus on the sequel trilogy and the future of the saga. Right, so this is the point at which I normally say in a very pre preordained way, <laughs> how has your week in Star Wars been? But this time it's a bit redundant because Kirsty and I met each other yesterday in London. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> we, no, it was really nice. We had a very um, nerdy day going around all the um, main Star Wars-centric attractions in London. And it was very lovely. And it was very nice to see you, Kirsty. Yeah, um, it was nice to see you too. Yeah, and I got a lovely layer pop from Kirsty as well, which I'm very grateful for. I, I got my lovely Sabine Infinity figure from you, which was uh, pretty awesome. It's the Thank best you very kinds much. of um, like gifts and tokens of appreciation one could possibly imagine. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so we basically we started off by going to the Stars Identities exhibit at the O2. And that was really cool. I've been before, but um, we wanted to go together, and it was really fun. <laughs> so, it was really fun. Yeah. If anyone, ha- if anyone's in London or close and hasn't been to it, it's really cool. I think it's on till. Did you say up until about the time that the Last Jedi comes out? I think so. I think it might close in like October or November. It's definitely towards the latter half of 2017. So yeah, there's no big rush. I overheard one of the cashiers telling people that it's completely dead on weekdays. Oh, right. <laughs> so if you want it completely to yourself, go on a Wednesday or something. Yeah, it was really fun. The kind of premise is that you create your own original character in the Star Wars galaxy and kind of decide on things like your level of force sensitivity and what your occupation is and what kind of choices you will make. It was very heavy on the kind of um, the theme of people making choices in Star Wars and how they shape their journeys. Mm. So. It was pretty fun. What was your character's ultimate choice? The good um, light side or the dark side? Oh, I decided to reject the dark side. I was I was a hero to the end. Goody two-shoes. What about you? Because I know you love Palpatine and, you know. <laughs> well, that's the thing. The first time I did it, I gleefully went for the dark side. I was like, if Palpatine is offering to be my mentor in the Force, hell yes. No regrets. <laughs> And so I just went for it. Um, <laughs> but this time around, I decided to be good and follow Kirsty's example by choosing the light side. So yeah. yeah, I ended up being heroic to the end. I named my character Padme, so I felt like I had to reject Padme. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be like some really weird AU. Yeah. Where, like, Padme oh, oh. turned to the dark side. I think I might need to read that AU, actually. I'm sure it exists. It has yeah. to exist. Force-sensitive Padme turns to the dark side. Wow. That'd be really cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, running minds are running away from us a bit. Um, and then we went to the Disney store um, mm-hmm. because they have an amazing selection of Star Wars stuff. Yeah, I bought this really cute uh, Ray as the scavenger mug with mm-hmm. her little goggles. So I'm sipping some coffee out of it right now. It's really nice, actually. Um, yeah. It's like a lot of Ray merchandise. So I do <laughs> I don't like to be too mean, but like quite a few of the figs and stuff, they don't really look like Daisy. Yeah. Um, but that mug is really cool, and it's got a really nice likeness of her, and yeah, it's just awesome to see Ray merchandise and stuff. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there was this big controversy with where's Ray, because there just wasn't much Ray merchandise soon after the film came out, and you can really see that they've went well beyond compensating for that now. This mm-hmm. is really nice. There's so much Ray stuff in the Disney store, and it's lovely to see. 
Yeah, it was really cool. And they're pushing a lot of the Beauty and the Beast stuff, obviously, at the moment. So that was just really nice to look at as well. Yeah. No, we had fun mocking the um, doll of Emma Watson as Beauty because it's not very beautiful. Um, yeah. It's a bit <laughs> unfortunate. Yeah. Like, I, I, I'm not being mean to Emma Watson. I think Emma Watson's very beautiful. It's just um, the doll itself is a horrible likeness. And Oh, that's what I'm saying. She's yeah. absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. And I just don't know what happened with that doll. <laughs> it's like, what went wrong? <laughs> so many questions um yeah my favorite thing about being in the in the disney store actually was they had this remote control bb8 and at one point there's like a little girl who's maybe three or four and she was just entranced she was watching this figure and then she started talking to it because she clearly really genuinely believed this was real this was like the real bb8 in front of her and yeah she started getting like affectionate with it and Aww. like it culminated in her like reaching out and drawing the bb8 towards her to cuddle it and it was like the most cute thing ever oh it was like a puppy vomiting rainbows <laughs> you know yeah it's so sweet i love bb8 i mean i love all the droids but no it's just great how they all have their own distinct personalities. Yeah, BB-8 is adorable. I I actually read something. I think maybe from one of the Thai novels, one of the aftermath ones, and I think it mentions like the BB-8 model of droid originally being created to so, like a therapy droid. Yes, yeah. I think that's how Poe gets him because his parents die. Oh, uh, really? I think that's how. Yeah, I think that's how he gets him. How interesting! I didn't know that. Like, so almost like as a means of dealing with the grief of losing yeah. his parents. And you can totally see it, can't you? Because he's like a little puppy. Yeah. No, that really makes a lot of sense, actually. And that's a really cool detail because, obviously, that's not something that's going to come up in the films. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, BB-8 is my therapy droid. <laughs> um, but it is a nice little background detail and it does make a lot of sense. So Vice is like, why does this strapping, dashing pilot have this adorable baby droid? Yeah, well, he's been with him since childhood. Yeah. And you can really tell that from the film anyway. I know that they're not going to go into all the details, but like they obviously have a bond. Yeah. No, it's so nice. Yeah. It's really cute. Um, And sorry, I'll finish this account very quickly. <laughs> I'm sure people just want us to get to the news, but I feel like I really want to cover this. Um, And then we went to Forbidden Planet and we saw the Hot Toys and they're so amazing. Oh my God, yeah. If I had just a spare £300 lying around... <laughs> To get one of those. Yeah, it's that whole situation where if I won the lottery, I'd get it in a heartbeat. But as it stands, I can't justify like 300 quid on a very beautiful piece of plastic shaped to look like Daisy Ridley. Right. It's, it's like, very impressive. It is um, very impressive. If I was going to get one of those, I would definitely get Ray because the, the like the masked Kylo is like, uh, you know, it's masked. Mm, yeah. But when they get the faces and that level of detail, it's pretty incredible. Have you seen that they're working on a mask, Kylo, for the, that line? Yes, I think I've seen pictures of that. Yeah. Cool. But again, it's just too much money to justify, really, isn't it? Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, that's what we need to keep on telling ourselves, Kirsty. We need to be strong. The Black Series are fine for yeah. me. So, yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. And um, tell people what you got at Forbidden Planet. Oh, I finally got Finn. I've been looking for him. I can't find him in any stores I go into. It's really yeah. weird. I never see Finn. Mm. Um, but I found him there. So I'm, I'm happy now I have Ray Finn and Kylo together. Yay. So they didn't have any um, Finns at the Disney store? Either. No, that was really odd. They had the pops. Yeah. But aside from that, it was very heavy on Ray, Kylo, and then... Oh, they had those Leia dolls, which were pretty yeah. cool. And then the rest of it was kind of Rogue One. Which makes yeah. sense, I suppose. But yeah. They had a huge table fill- filled with the Rogue One figures. Yeah. 
I was tempted to get those Chirrut and Baze dolls together. Mm, they were the nicest ones. Yeah. Like, they were the, definitely the best human likenesses. And Bodhi was by far the worst likeness. It was well, yeah, what was up with that? Riz Ahmed <laughs> is a very attractive guy. <laughs> they yeah. have not got his likeness down at all. No, they really did not. <laughs> Again, I'd just, like, file the same lawsuit that Emma Watson should file <laughs> against that doll. <laughs> it's like, nope. It's yeah, really it's a bad. shame. It is. Um, right, then to finally move on from that, uh, I hope you enjoyed hearing about our rambles in London, everyone. <laughs> so you're going to listen to them whether you like it or not. <laughs> um, just to get to the normal business, um, if you haven't already, please do rate and review us on iTunes because that really helps us out and yeah, it just helps spread the word and get more people listening, which is always great. Um, and if you have any questions for the podcast, you can email them to scavengershoard at gmail.com. Right, and then we can finally move on to the news. And the first item is that we've had our first look at Rey, Finn and Pooh in The Last Jedi. Um, it's not like there's really an official press release or anything I can talk about here, and I'm sure everyone has seen this image by now. But basically, Lucasfilm put out an image of the packaging for the Star Wars toys that are going to be released on Force Friday in September. And it had a header image showing Poe, Ray, and Finn. And <laughs> Poe and Finn pretty much look exactly the same as they did in The Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. Finn has like a different shirt, but the same jacket. And Poe, he just seems to be identical to me. I can't see any difference. Um, the most interesting aspect of the whole image is Ray because she has a different hairstyle. So she has long hair, seemingly of like a bun or like a, a ponytail or something in the middle that you can't quite tell. Um, and she's wielding the lightsaber and she seems to have a modified costume. Uh, so yeah, what were your thoughts upon seeing this, Kirsty? Did anything grab your eye? It was mostly the hair that I was excited about because I think we both theorised that she would have her hair down at some point in the future. Yes. Because it does mark that contrast between her stasis on Jakku yeah. and then like deciding to leave and embrace her her future and her destiny with the Force and, and Luke and Kylo. So, yeah, it's pretty cool to see that. Um, it feels like there's going to be that character development that comes with that change in appearance. So, Yeah. No, absolutely. I think that's the most interesting aspect of that character. Like, the fact that what it could symbolise the fact that she's grown her hair long now and that she's changed it because in The Force Awakens you see that she has had the same hairstyle apparently since she was a little girl mm-hmm. and she's like held on to it and that hairstyle is emblematic of how she has clung on to this hope that her family's going to come back for her so I think it's reasonable to theorise that because she's changed her hair now, that symbolises that she's letting that go, that she's moving on from that. Um, and yeah, I think that's interesting and it's good pro- progression for the character. So it does show her moving beyond that childlike state. Yeah, and I think that that's what I found really powerful about her journey in The Force Awakens, mm. that she was kind of able to address the tragedy of her past and say, okay, I'm not going to let this define my future any longer. You know? Yeah. No, exactly. She becomes like self-determining. So she's not just going to sit there waiting, like being inactive and passive. She's going to take the lightsaber and be the person who decides her own destiny. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really exciting. And I hope we get to see more of that, Ray. Um, <laughs> for me, like, it, 
be prepared for ridiculous over-analysis mode. But I find it interesting that in her costume, she seems to be wearing like a relatively light tunic over like a black or at least dark-coloured undershirt. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of because I think of Luke's costume in Return of the Jedi, where he's wearing all black, but he has this like lapel. And then when the costume's pulled back, you see the lapel is rock white. Mm-hmm. And like it, it sounds like no <laughs> Sherlock, um, <laughs> but the white obviously symbolizes his inner goodness. So while it's a dark movie for Luke in that he goes through all these trials and he's very strongly tested by the dark side through the Emperor and through his own father and all those different forces working on him to try and claw him down towards the darkness, he still resists it. He still resists that and he has this inner core of goodness um, that can't be shaken. And so the costume like reflects that through the use of colour by having it mainly be black, but then there's the light inside. And yeah, like just the theorist in me wonders if they're going to reverse that thematic trajectory with Ray because they're having her seem light on the outside but she has the dark like inside within her like just a bit just a bit beneath the surface. Yeah, I think that's a valid thing to speculate on because obviously as you say that we do have that parallel with Luke but almost in the reverse. Mm. And we we know that um costume design in Star Wars is very symbolic. Yeah. Um just in general, especially with the force sensitive characters. Yes. Um so yeah, I can see that, and that kind of does fit what I understood with Rey in The Force Awakens, that she is on the good side and has a lot of compassion and loyalty and is a hero, but she does have these moments of real anger and rage, and that's kind of what she taps into towards the end, and it helps her take down Kylo. So mm. it'll be interesting to see how that factors in going forward. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I think that would be an exciting trajectory for her, as long right. as it were done with the right amount of like nuance and right, characterization. Right, it doesn't have to be that she falls to the dark side i think some people are like oh no i definitely don't want that to happen to ray and it's like you know you could have a bit more of a gray area where she's tempted and maybe goes a bit further than luke did Mm. um but doesn't become the villain you know yeah exactly it's like it's not as clear cut as they're just being like absolutely good or absolutely evil there's like a middle ground and there's a gradient along those two poles between good and evil um and yeah like i think ray would fall somewhere along the gradient she wouldn't be absolutely evil like if she does go more towards the dark side i don't think that's going to entail her like massacring the village of sand people or something (laughs) it wouldn't be that extreme but yeah i'd definitely like to see her go further than luke did because luke he he was clearly somewhat tempted but his faith was never really that shaken it was literally momentary like hesitation and doubt where he'd like give in to the dark side but then Mm. he'd snap out of it so yeah i want to see ray go further hopefully yeah i think you can expect a bit more nuance from the sequel trilogy because they do seem to be kind of pushing this um idea of the force as a spectrum rather Mm. than just this binary thing that may have been part of its lore in the past so Mm. be interesting to see where they go with that yeah no absolutely it will be really exciting to follow that um and there's another thing where above one of ray's eyes <laughs> there's like a bit of strange like color in there 
Like, and some people have been speculating that that's like an injury or a bruise or a cut or something like that. Do you place much stock in that or do you think it's just a odd lighting choice? I think it might be a lighting choice. Mm. I think if Ray were to get injured, one, it's a bit of a spoiler, so I can't see them putting it on the packaging. Yeah. And two, you know, this is packaging that kids will be having for kid, uh, like toys and that. I just don't think that they would put like an injury so blatantly there. Like if it's supposed to be bloody or bruise, bruising, mm. I just don't think that's what they would have. I, I think it's just like the picture is giving us, I think it, once we get like an official photo or something, I can't see it being there. Yeah. No, I, f- I definitely don't think it's a clear cut thing because, because I do think it might just be a bit of awkward lighting. So you can tell all of them are very heavily photoshopped. Right, exactly. And I've seen Photoshop artifacts before, and they can look like that. They can do funny things with the like color consistency, and yeah, like if it's just not done too well, it doesn't look great, and it can create these effects that can look like other things. If you're obsessed Star Wars fans who spent far too long looking at the boxes for children's packaging, <laughs> <laughs> which I'm guilty of, I'm guilty of, I'm not judging anyone. Uh, I know, we've all been like, can we get a trailer, please? And then they just give us this empty box and everyone's like, oh, thank you so much. <laughs> Something to chew over and dissect. <laughs> it's literally like being friends scraps from the adults table, isn't it? Seriously. I, I don't know if this was the case for The Force Awakens, was it? Were people obsessing over the packaging for that? <sighs> I don't remember anything being revealed, like saying, this is your first look at the characters, being via product packaging. Mm. I don't remember that happening. I remember that we first heard dialogue from certain characters through toys. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> they were like the Kylo and Ray dolls, and like you'd squeeze them, and then they'd come out with all these sayings. Um, <laughs> so we heard various lines from that. Quite a few of which ended up being deleted, actually. Yeah. Always interesting. It is interesting. Um yeah, but it's funny to me how the merchandising element of Star Wars is so tied up to the promotion of it. So that this is your first look on merchandise. <laughs> it's always yeah. like a cruel joke. The thing, like, I, I like that it's a contrast from the Force Awakens packaging when it was just Kylo because they have to distinguish it somehow, right? Yeah. You know, so have the villain and then have the heroes. But beyond that, I'm not. I try not to look too much into anything because we we know from the Force Awakens that marketing can be misleading yes so if we're looking into things and looking i know we're kind of having fun speculating on does this mean that ray's going to go dark or anything but (laughs) i yeah i hope people aren't getting too attached to anything either way yeah no totally you can't marry yourself to anything off the basis of this um like it's fun to speculate and that's the whole reason i think they put these things out there to keep conversations going Mm -hmm. i do sometimes wonder if they monitor the message boards and they decide oh, I'm sure like, they do yeah and they decide look these people are desperate here we need <laughs> to give them something okay oh show them the freaking toy box do it yeah Disney will be on top of all that stuff yeah in all seriousness I think the real reason why they released that packaging then was because they had the I think New York Toy Fair yeah it was um, the day after right yeah exactly it was just the day after so they knew that when that event happened there was no way they were going to be hiding that image of Ray Finn and Poe so right like, we- okay we're going to take control of this and release it on our terms yeah and since then we've seen larger photos of people taking it off that kind of backdrop banner of the same mm. image that they had so definitely makes sense for them to release it in a more official capacity first yeah no definitely is what they did with the title because I think they were having like a shareholders meeting or <laughs> something incredibly boring. Um, and they were going to have to say the title then. So they wanted to, again, take control of the situation. 
Um, oh yeah, one last thing. I've seen some people suggest that this image with Rafe and Poe, it suggests that they're somehow going to be like the three like characters like as a unit, like Luke, Leia and Han. Um, and I just want to say right here and right now that guys, this is marketing. It's not telling you anything about the makeup of the story or which characters are going to be spending time with which other characters. Like, all of that stuff, none of it can be read into this single image. It, like, if you were to do that, it would be like taking the toy packaging for The Force Awakens and assuming that Kylo is the only character who's bad in that film because he's alone on the packaging. Well, well they, they marketed Ray, Finn and Poe pretty heavily as a trio before The Force Awakens, right? And then it turns yeah. out that Ray and Poe don't actually meet each other in the film at least they, they yeah. had a scene in the novelization but um mm. yeah it's not like they were equivalent to luke Leia, and han yeah no exactly it's all like a marketing thing uh, and that's fine that's just what marketing does it knows what sells and so it designs things in such a way as to maximize the desirability of the product which in this case is by putting three very popular characters on it together and also appealing, I think, to that sense of nostalgia for the original trilogy. Because I have seen like casual Star Wars fans on like Slash Film saying, Oh, I really like um Ray, Finn and Poe. I hope they have adventures like Harry, Ron and Hermione in Harry Potter. Um, right. and like I, I think that's cool to want that, but I think that person's probably gonna end up being quite disappointed because that's just not the kind of story we're getting. They're not like a cohesive unit. Well, it's just, it's just a, yeah, it is a different kind of story, isn't it? Because um, the thing about Harry Potter is that it's really Harry who has the hero's journey and his mm. friends are his sidekicks in a way, like not to disparage them. Hermione is one of my favorite characters ever. Yes. But um, Ray and Finn are both protagonists. Mm. So it's not like one is subject to the other's journey. They, you know, they impact each other, but they have to be on almost separate strands of the story at least for a little time yeah to develop so it's not quite comparable yeah no definitely um right is there anything else we want to say about the glorious glorious packaging <laughs> i don't think so i'm just excited to get some toys like i know oh is it um they released the date for force friday this year actually didn't they it's gonna be like september 1st i think yeah it's september 1st it still feels so long away it does but to be fair like it wasn't so long ago that celebration seemed really far away and now True. that seems quite close thank yeah. goodness <laughs> yeah exactly that's <laughs> uh, my lord do we need that um right then the next item is that the last jedi is plural um and mm. i don't know about you kirsty but on my tumblr i was absolutely swamped with asks from people lovely people like all telling me that the last jedi is plural in their particular language so like french and german and swedish and norwegian and ancient sumerian and so on and so forth um and yeah so it's 100 percent confirmed because literally every social media account for every international star wars page under the sun has come out and said that it's plural which mm. is quite interesting so i think a lot of people assumed it was singular as in in reference to luke oh and i did because we didn't have anything else to go off at that point and yeah. luke's been referred to as the last jedi multiple times so yeah no so it's very intriguing i think um like what do you make of this like who else do you think it's referring to i, I guess the obvious person to group alongside luke is ray but i think it's a bit more complicated than that 
Yeah, I I think it could refer to the Jedi in general. Mm. Um, because, you know, whether or not there is one last Jedi or not, it's still kind of like the end of that order, or at least it seems like it's perilously close to dying out. Yes. Um, so, yeah, it could signify kind of the end of that and the start of something new and more exciting or, mm. you know, something that kind of fits um, a more nuanced look at the Force, which we've kind of seen coming into canon in terms of things like Rebels and stuff like that. So, mm. uh, who knows? I'm not marrying yeah. myself to any one definition and I'm not even marrying myself to the idea of this definitely being plural because I know it's come out in all these various languages, but I... I, t- I try not to look too much into the titles because they in themselves are marketing as well. Yeah. Um, so if maybe it's just being kept kind of purposely vague just so that people keep speculating. Mm. So we'll see. I know you have a cool theory. Uh, yes. No, so basically my theory, and by the way, I'm going to be touching on sp- potential spoilers for The Last Jedi to go into this theory. So please watch out and skip ahead to the appropriate time. Um, if you want to be safe. Um, but basically my theory is that it's probably going to be about Luke. Well, certainly about Luke because he is 100% the last Jedi. We know he's that because he is referred to as such in the opening crawl to The Force Awakens. And then I think you have Rey, who's the apprentice Jedi. And then I think you also have Kylo, who's the fallen Jedi. And according to spoilers, all these characters end up on an island together which sounds like the setup for a cruel joke. So, so we have three Jedi all on and stuck on an island. <laughs> like I have no idea what the punchline would be to that. <laughs> but yeah, so I think it's going to be about these three people with very different outlooks and approaches to the Jedi being stuck together. And it will almost be like a test of what good are the Jedi in the galaxy now after all the evil that's been done that the Jedi haven't been able to prevent. Because Kylo clearly believes that the Jedi have either failed or they've done something actively awful, that means they deserve to be destroyed. Mm. He doesn't believe they're the best thing for the galaxy. He believes there's an alternative, his way, that's better and superior. And obviously, as a viewer, you're looking at him and thinking, no, but his way's evil. He's doing all these awful, terrible things. How can he be convinced that he's so good and so righteous and I really think that we're going to understand why he thinks like that in The Last Jedi Mm -hmm. and that we're really going to get his insight into what being a Jedi is and where it went so wrong because things clearly went very bad (laughs) and yeah so I really think the title is in a way going to be an allusion to that so like this whole concept of the Jedi has gone rotten it's gone completely off the rails so what can we do to either fix it or to replace it with something better yeah it kind of fits specific things we've been hearing about the story as well like ray having these visions um that flash back to what happened at the not the academy but whatever the equivalent like the temple or something with luke's um former apprentices and what really went down with kylo mm. um and then yeah, this like you know these quotes that we've been getting from like Adam Driver interviews where he's talking about humanity and how um, both sides of the conflict are completely sure that they are in the right. Mm. So it's this idea: well, not everyone can be right, but do they all have a point? Like, mm. is there a valid perspective here that maybe we can take something from and trying to try to bridge a gap in some way? 
Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting to think about. Mm. I think that's the most like, exciting thing they could do with the whole concept of the Jedi. Because I know some people just want to see Luke come back and kick butt of a lightsaber. And, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But I really do think that if the franchise is going to have like an afterlife... And if this new sequel trilogy is going to justify its existence, there has to be more to it than that. It has to be brave enough to challenge like the status quo and to get us to really think about and question these things that we've previously taken for granted. Yeah, and after the prequels, it's honestly hard for me to reconcile that idea of the Jedi just coming back and not really evolving beyond those ideas. Yeah. Um. So it's totally possible that Luke's own understanding of what it means to be a Jedi has evolved since then. And I hope it has, mm. that he has something different to offer that, you know, he spent 30 years looking for this law and that kind of evolved his perception of the force and how he approaches it. Yeah. Um, but it would be cool to see the new generation kind of pave a new path as well. Yeah. So exactly. you're going to get kind of all these conflicting ideas and obviously Ray is completely new to this world as well. So what kind of perspective is she going to offer? Hmm. Yeah, so I think she's going to be the one asking all the tough questions. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a good position to have because I think Kylo and Luke, they're probably go- both going to be, I don't know, almost arrogant in a way because they'll both be so convinced that they're right that there won't be like any reconciliation or like any breaching of that gap between them. So I think you'll almost need Ray to do that, to be the person who can hear both sides and is actually open to hearing the different takes on it. Because she's almost like the student who's waiting there to be taught, and she has to decide who she wants to teach her. And obviously Kylo, in a way, was already her teacher in The Force Awakens. And the question is, well, who's going to teach her in The Last Jedi? Obviously everyone assumes it's going to be Luke, but what was actually Kylo? So Yeah, and that again fits that. Was there an interview where Ryan Johnson was talking about the last Jedi in terms of kind of the adolescent stage of life. Yeah. So that is when children start to grow up and ask the difficult questions and kind of start to see elder figures as fallible and, Oh, maybe there is a better way. Maybe we shouldn't just do things for tradition's sake, you know? Mm, exactly. And they also tend to run off of their peers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And misbehave. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's true. Just like Luke did. Yeah. Bye. So the Jedi steps might become the naughty step. <laughs> it's Mark, Mark Hamill has referred to um, Kylo or Adam I can't quite remember which probably Kylo one would hope as hashtag naughty nephew I saw so. that and dangerous dreamboat <laughs> yes I think he loves the alliteration more than anything but he does that's my fave he actually deleted the dangerous dreamboat tweet straight after which oh is, really yeah he did he mm. said it was because there was a typo but obviously con- the conspiracy theorists amongst us I think there's something more mm. like but yeah i i'm not gonna read too much into it so yeah <laughs> uh right sounds so, like you are i'm reading into it in my mind but okay. i will keep my thoughts to myself <laughs> got it <laughs> okay are we ready to move on yes okay cool well then there are two different spoiler reports from making star wars um i'm just going to cover them both in like under one heading but we'll talk about them separately because they're both kind of small and they're not like earth shattering information. Like, even in your spoiler adv- adverse, I'd probably say that it's okay to listen to this. I really think it's so mild. What is in this spoiler section 
so to speak. It's nothing that you wouldn't see in like trailers or in promotional images. Would you say that's fair, Kirsty? Yeah, I think so. But, you know, people probably won't listen to us if they're extremely spoiler reverse because we're really bad at it anyway. But this yeah. is super light stuff. It's not yeah. going to truly spoil the story for anyone. Yeah, it really won't. <laughs> right. Okay. So the first story is about a new world in The Last Jedi. Um, We heard about a new planet from Star Wars Episode Eight last year during filming that appears to be really important to the story of the film, and that is the Mars with snow on it planet. The way I heard the set described, it was like Mars, a red ground, but covered with a light layer of snow, especially on the banks and rim of a hallway-sized trench. So imagine Mars if it lightly snowed, is the mantra for this place. We heard the interiors were not unlike Starkiller Base, in the sense that you can see the Death Star's style tech and architecture blended in with the rocks and natural environment. The planet is likely a first-order controlled world, and it's hard not to speculate that this is where Hux, Phasma and Kylo Ren meet up with the Supreme Leader Snoke after their failure in The Force Awakens. The on-set ships for this world also make us lean towards this world being the secret base of the First Order, but that's just a slightly informed guess. We were also able to pinpoint a snowtrooper general on this set as well for a scene description that somewhat matches what came out of Bolivia recently. Uh, so yeah, did you have any thoughts on the planet, Kirsty? I'm excited to see more planets that don't look quite so like Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, that was one of my kind of disappointing aspects in The Force Awakens, that everything was a bit too realistic. I kind of missed places like Mustafar. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited to see this. Yeah, no, definitely. It sounds like a cool look for a world, and it's certainly not like what we've seen in stars before, which I think is always very welcome, because the people are clearly hungry for originality in these films. Mm-hmm. So it's funny, like, when I need to kill time, like, I'll just listen to old podcast reviews of The Force Awakens, and in virtually every single podcast review, the person who doesn't like the film, or at least had major issues with the film, what they will complain about is the lack of originality. And I, I understand that complaint. I completely get where people are coming from. Is not one I personally subscribe to too much, or at least if I do subscribe to it, I subscribe to it with major caveats. But yeah, I'm hoping that The Last Jedi really like works for those people by offering this freshness in terms of the visual qualities of the planets and like those aspects of it so i think that was one of the main disappointments for people just that the worlds really did seem to follow templates that we'd already had before so yeah. like, takadana was like endor jakku was like tatooine <clears throat> um Starkiller base was like hoff and so on and so forth right and i'm guessing they kind of anticipated that criticism as well but just decided that it was kind of worth the payoff yeah, um, because they obviously wanted to pay homage to the original trilogy, and clearly some are saying they went too far with it. Um, but I think because of that, they are going to really push the boat out in Episode Eight, and we've kind of seen that with other things that have been trickling out from the sets as well, certain photos of creatures and that. So, fingers crossed. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, right, and then the second story is about Finn, and this is the report. In Star Wars The Last Jedi, there was going to be a First Order Super Star Destroyer. However, it isn't like the ones we saw during the Empire's era. The First Order Super Star Destroyer is huge, yes, but it is just a triangle-shaped wedge. The classic Super Star Destroyer was a wedge with a city built on it in no uncertain terms. 
This is just a gigantic huge wedge, solid and dark. I speculate this is the main command ship of the First Order in The Last Jedi. It appears Finn will end up on the ship as part of his mission. In Star Wars The Last Jedi, Finn has a pretty big adventure. As we discussed a few weeks back on the podcast, Finn wears a First Order officer's uniform in the movie. We think the Tom Hardy sequence, a bit where Tom Hardy plays a stormtrooper, might play out slightly differently than we once thought. The gist is that a stormtrooper that used to know Finn slaps his ass, knowing him back when he was FN2187. The stormtrooper clearly doesn't know what actually happened on Starkiller Base. We were told Finn was undercover in the sequence, and we figured the trooper thought Finn was undercover too, hence their unusual interaction. However, knowing he wears this uniform, we now think there's a solid chance the trooper is congratulating Finn on his promotion within the First Order itself, not congratulating him for becoming a resistance infiltrator as we first interpreted the information. Seems risky to tease his superior, but stormtroopers have never been the smartest dudes in the galaxy. Um, yeah, and just alongside this, I did originally have this as a separate thing, but I think it's so small <laughs> that we might as well just discuss it here. There's also been a picture posted by Ryan Johnson on social media showing like the stormtroopers from The Last Jedi. Um, I've been told by people much more observant than myself that they're slightly different. Um, I really can't tell. It's a very minor difference. Um, but yeah, the most interesting thing is that one the stormtroopers is like halfway taking his helmet off and the guy who's taking his helmet off looks very much like tom hardy Mm. um so yeah like i think it wasn't already very clear that tom hardy was in the last jedi i think it's now very very clear that tom hardy is in the last jedi which is really cool (laughs) um so yeah what did you make of all this kirsty uh i think it's exciting um Mm. i am really looking forward to seeing all these cool adventures that finn's going to be on yeah, um, and I like the idea of this fitting kind of in with what we learned about Finn from before the Awakening, because mm. it's very much emphasised in that story that he has an awful lot of potential, and Phasma sees that he can be a future leader. Yeah, um, so it's kind of playing into that idea because then this other stormtrooper would recognise him and think, "Oh, wow, he's been promoted! Like, obviously, he was doing great work." Mm. Um, so I kind of like that reference to other canon outside the movies. Um, it kind of gives that depth to Finn as well. Yeah, um, I don't care so much about ships. Uh, <laughs> it's like a nice detail to have to kind of visualize stuff, but you know, yeah. Star Destroyer, whatever. whatever. Um, mm. I don't care about that stuff so much. But if the design is cool, that's awesome. It gives the film a cool look. So yeah, no, like I don't have much to say about the Super Star Destroyer. It's going to be a thing that exists, which is cool, I guess. Um, and I, I do. You know that you know again with the the idea of the planets not being too different in the Force Awakens. Some people were also criticizing the lack of new ships. Yeah. So I think aside from Kylo's shuttle, which which did look pretty cool, that was uh, awesome. People were kind of like, oh, we've got X wings, we've got ties, but we've seen that before. So mm-hmm. something new would be good for those kind of fans. Yeah. No, definitely. Hopefully, it will make those people happy. Um, yeah. No, I think it's cool the idea that Finn like after being subjugated throughout his entire childhood and literally raised as like this child soldier he's now infiltrating by like taking on the position of the people who were the ones like controlling him the ones Mm -hmm. like manipulating his destiny and deciding what he was going to do and what missions he was going to go on etc um and like it might well just be handled for laughs you often find that undercover missions they're played as a bit of a joke in stalls um and it certainly seems there's gonna be an element of that if a stormtrooper is literally slapping finn on the arse um (laughs) 
So yeah, it's not going to be like a, a serious existential examination of like Finn's like inner psyche, I doubt. But it would be nice to see like some acknowledgement of like how is like a role reversal. Mm-hmm. Like how what was once a soldier, like a normal foot soldier, he's now one of the officers and seeing like how he navigates that and how he deals with it. So I think that would be a good opportunity to show his growth as well. Because yeah. Finn he seemed really young in The Force Awakens. He's like very excitable and very enthusiastic about everything. And based on how he was in that film, I can't imagine him like being able to pull off the act of a first order officer very well. Um, but yeah, if he can do that, then that's a good sign of how much more mature he's become. Yeah, like you say, I can kind of picture this being humorous, but also having that deeper commentary. And maybe you do see Finn having a moment of reflection and thinking, wow, this could have been my future, you know? Yeah, um, Yeah, we'll just have to see how it plays out. I'm starting mm. to realise, because I wasn't keeping up with spoilers from The Force Awakens, but it really is like you fill it in with your own assumptions. Yeah. And what's in the final film could be completely different. Yeah. No, you really do. Like, it's going to be interesting after The Last Jedi comes out to say, for example, go back and listen to our episode 8 spoiler special from a few weeks ago. So I'm sure we're going to get so much completely wrong. Oh, I bet. (laughs) So much. It will actually be quite funny. Um, But yeah, that'll be a good lesson. As long as we're not too, like, cringe about um, being horribly mistaken about things. (laughs) Um, Right. We don't have any inside knowledge. We're just fans enjoying it, so. Yeah. No, unfortunately, we do not hold the keys to Spoiler Kingdom (laughs) as much as we would love to hold the keys. Um, Right, then the next story is that we have the Last Jedi panel at Star Wars Celebration Orlando announced. And the guests who have been announced are Ryan Johnson and Kathleen Kennedy. And it's going to be on Friday 14th of April. So I think we can be very, very confident that that's going to be when we're getting our first trailer for The Last Jedi. Yay! I've resigned myself now. We're getting it. Celebration. It's not not too too long. No, no. It'll be Let's here see, before you know it. I like how you sound like my counsellor at this point. <laughs> so you can I'm, do it. You can wait a bit longer. I'm talking to myself just as much. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and I'm so excited for Kirsty. Kirsty is going to be in that room. Like, do you reckon you're going to sleep so. overnight? Uh, yeah, I've, I've got some friends who have kind of agreed we're all going to go and queue in the, the line overnight and take sleeping bags and yeah we'll take stuff to kind of amuse ourselves but it should be fun because we'll be surrounded by other fans and it's kind of part of the experience so yeah no i think it'll be a really cool like buzzing atmosphere yeah i'm relieved that um the panel isn't going to be on a thursday because that's kind of what i'd assumed based on the fact that the rogue one panel was the first day of the convention last year yeah um and i was kind of worried because everyone's going to get in on the wednesday and then we'd have to go straight there to queue Mm. it's kind of nice that everyone will have a chance to relax and meet up first yeah go there the the day after yeah, and I think it's a really good idea because then you're going to be able to like go around the shop floor and like if you want to get merchandise, you can get merchandise and yeah, you can just it'll be so much more chill. Yeah, exactly. I think I sure it won't be chill when you're like so close to getting inside the panel. Then it'll be insane. Mm-hmm. Um, but like on the day before, it will just be a much happier experience for everyone. So I think they've done it in a good way. Yeah, I think so. And it looks like we're going to have some special guests. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> okay, right. So let's say who we think is going to turn up. So let's let's take it in turns. So I'll do no-brainer. Daisy Ridley. Who would you say? One name. Mark Hamill. Okay. Um, I'll say John Boyega. You'll go. I think Adam Driver will be there. Yeah. Like, I've seen some people leave him out, but I really don't know why. I'm pretty 
confident it would be like tied into his contract. I was going like, to say, I feel like he would be at these events. The main cast are probably going to be obligated to be there because I mean they were all there for the Force Awakens, right? Yes, they were. Um, like I, I'm not. I don't think Lupita was there. Oh, really? I don't mm. think so. Gwendolyn was, um, but I don't think Lupita was. Okay. Um, but yeah, so but virtually everyone else was basically. Um, let's see where were we? So you said Adam. Um, oh, I was going to be so sad that Carrie isn't there. I know <laughs> that's really bad. Like her name came flashed into my mind for I was about to say oh, it, and well. I was like, oh god, no. <laughs> yeah, they'll they'll definitely have a moving tribute for her though. They like, will. Yeah. I, I think... do wonder if that will be what's on the Thursday. To be oh, honest. that's a like good some point. Kind of Carrie panel because I think that would be like make the most sense. Yeah, maybe that's why they rescheduled. Mm. Mm. I think it'd be very fitting like to launch it around Carrie because yeah, yeah she's everyone's going to feel that absence so much I think it's going to be a really emotional panel actually because it will be the whole Carrie should have been here sentiment mm-hmm. um, yeah as for other people who are going to be there I, I'm sure they're going to wheel out Gwendolyn um, I, I'd imagine they're going to bring out all the new people Kelly Marie Tran I think oh, yeah. is certain 100%. I can't wait to learn more about her character. Yes! It's like being an absolute void of information. Can we just get the name at least? <laughs> they better. Like, I really don't want that arsing around where like they won't even let the cast say like the most perfunctory details. Yeah. So I think Donal got told off for saying the word Starkiller Base at <laughs> Celebration. And it's like, I'm sorry, but come on. I know, that's I not relax. a spoiler. <laughs> The secrecy. I, I know it's just like part of the fun in Star Wars fandom, but it's also like, mm. this is ridiculous. Yeah. That doesn't but, give away anything. It's just a name. Yeah. No, it, it does get absurd sometimes. I feel bad for the actors. Like, what are they supposed to say? Oh, I had a great time filming it. Like, that's literally it. Yeah. They must feel like their minds are like ticking time bombs, you know? Yeah. There's so much potential for error. It's terrifying. Um, what do you think about Laura Dern and Benicio Del Toro? Do you think they're going to show? Oh, I would hope so, actually. But mm. who knows? I mean, we've, we've heard so little about their parts. Mm. Like, if they're in it for, like, one scene or something, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so I guess if they're, like... Um... Oh, man, who played Lawson Tecker again? My, my, I've, I've had a Max von Sydow. Thank you. If they're, like, Max von Sydow-sized si- roles, then I don't see it happening. They wouldn't show. Mm. Um, but I think they're more substantial if they're more, like, Mars-sized or... Like, of that level and above, then, yeah, I think they'd show. Um, I think Donal's a real question mark. I think whoever he turns up depends on what happens with Hux in The Last Jedi. Mm. So, I don't think this is going to happen, but if he, say, gets killed off in his first scene, you know, just hypothetically... Yeah, but would they want us to know that? They wouldn't want to spoil it, right? Yeah, no, they wouldn't want to spoil it, but at the same time, I don't think Donal being absent from Celebration would necessarily be a spoiler. Like, I think it might raise that question. Like, oh, if he's not here, what does that mean about Hux in The Last Jedi? But I don't think it would in itself confirm anything insidious about that character's face. They could always say, like, oh, Donald had film commitments or something. Mm. You know, they could come up with some innocent explanation. Um, But yeah, again, who knows? This is just um, the speculation machine. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Right, yeah, so... I guess the final word should be of you, Kirsty. Like, what are your thoughts leading up to celebrations? It ticks closer and closer. Oh, I'm just really looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, Going to meet up with lots of people who I know through the internet but haven't met yet, and some people mm. that I, I do know and friends with. So, yes, yeah, so hopefully it'll just be a really good time. 
Mm. And we'll try to cover it as well as we can for our listeners. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's going to be an awful lot going on. So. There's going to be lots of celebration coverage. It's <laughs> going to be so exciting. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I'm like, I think, fingers crossed, that's like Easter week. Yeah. Yeah. No, so if it's Easter week, then I'm off work, which is great because it just means I can stick myself to the live stream and not be removed at any costs. Awesome. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> uh, right. And then the, f- oh, second to last news story. Sorry, something broke for today. Um, is that John Williams has started conducting The Last Jedi's score. And this is a tweet from Robert Meyer Burnett. And he's like one of the people, I think he's a reporter in the industry or something. He appears on Collider sometimes. Um, so that's where I know him from. But anyway, he tweeted this. Last Jedi scoring update. Last Thursday was John Williams's 85th birthday. He's conducting. Ryan Johnson wants to use the score for editing. So yeah, I don't know about you, but this tweet actually made me really excited. I love the idea that Ryan wants to edit the music. Yeah. That is really, really appealing to me. Um, So I'm going to go off on a mild tangent. I promise I won't make it too long. I'm sorry. Um, But I love the films of um, Powell and Pressburger. Mm-hmm. who were this very famous filmmaking partnership in the 1940s in British cinema. And they were really, really big on music. And so with the film Black Narcissus, for example, it's a really, really beautiful, striking film. You know, you never forget if you've seen it once. But there's a whole sequence in there where there's like no naturalistic sound. It's just pure music. And the music was recorded first and then the movie was constructed around that music. Mm. Um, so the film itself is incredibly like rhythmic and it's just so intertwined with the musical score that you can't separate them and have either one make sense, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just love that. I think it adds, like, it makes the music so crucial. Like, it really is going to be fab- part of the fabric of the film. Like, yeah. in a way that some musical scores sometimes aren't. So like I, I really did enjoy the score to Rogue One and it grew on me the more and more I listened to it. But I think sometimes it didn't feel like fully integrated with the movie, if that makes sense. Oh, that makes complete sense because yeah. we know how everything came together. And yeah. it's almost the polar opposite of what they're doing with The Last Jedi. Yeah. No, so exactly. It's it, really it's almost gonna be part like it's almost gonna be a character in the movie, right? Like that it's yeah. become such a thematic component. Um it's really gonna inform the mood and tone. Yeah, um, I think that's really exciting. Yeah, no, same. It's really, really cool. And again, this is just a reminder of how incredibly rapid everything is for The Last Jedi. Because a movie that's due out in December, it really shouldn't be having its score conducted so early. <laughs> um, if you're going by like precedent and um, what's been done in the past, it's just it normally happens much, much closer to when the film's released. Um, so yeah, this really indicates that they have a very solid idea of where the film is and they know exactly what they're doing with it i reckon they could probably have it ready for celebration to be honest if they wanted oh yeah of course there's kind of no way that's gonna happen but yeah it's kind of torture because we know that the film could have come out in may like and we're gonna have those seven months where it's like it's just sat there please just give it to us yeah exactly (laughs) okay who wants to form a special ops team (laughs) break into the vault (laughs) be like mission impossible style Oh, oh it's exciting um, yeah, and then the last thing is that we have a release date for the Rogue One Blu-ray 
and that is 4th of April. Um, this news just came out today, so it's a new piece of information. Um, but yeah, um, it's nice to see that the film is coming out pretty soon. I believe it's following a very similar trajectory to The Force Awakens. I think The Force Awakens came out on Blu-ray around that time. That yeah, right? I think it was the 5th of April. Oh, wow. So literally the day before. Yeah, so it seems like they're kind of settling into this rhythm. I mean, I guess we'll see if, if it's the same again with The Last Jedi and if Han Solo ends up getting pushed back. But mm. it seems to be working for them. So Yeah, they really seem to have like adopted like December as Stahl's movie month. And April as Star Wars Blu-ray month. Yeah, I like a, a new Star Wars film with, with December. It's like, oh, wow, an extra treat for Christmas. Yeah, so. no, exactly. It's like a lovely Christmas present. So I like to watch them with my dad. Yeah. Um, because he's who I watched Star Wars with when I was a kid. And yeah, it's really cool. So I'm always home for Christmas. So then I can watch Star Wars with my dad. And it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, and people get the toys for Christmas presents. And yeah, just yeah. to work together well. Yeah, it's like, tis the season to be stars. Sorry, I shouldn't subject people to that. <laughs> yeah. I'm not religious, so this is like, this is like my new religion, I guess. <laughs> yeah, uh, worship at the altar Celebrate of Star, Wars. Star Wars at December. Instead of uh, thanking Jesus. <laughs> they, they don't call it a cult without reason. Yeah, and then, and then you get a celebration at Easter, so... <laughs> It's the resurrection. Sorry, I hope we're not offending anyone. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Um, <laughs> right. Um, then finally, to move on, we have a question. And remember that if you have any questions for us, you can email us at scavengershorde at gmail.com. And this question is from Melian. And it goes, Hello, ladies. My name is Melian. And first off, I love your podcast. Thank you. It's so open-minded and thought-provoking. And you also bring up great points about all the characters and themes in the entire Star Wars saga. I'm an older fan, but I enjoyed The Force Awakens very much and loved Kylo Ren in particular as the new villain. One main criticism of Kylo Ren's possible redemption arc, and one I agree with, is the prospect of him living in the end and thus getting a free pass, which might not sit well with the audience. However, I think there are several possibilities that could work well here. One way I can see a redemption arc going down successfully is Kylo doing some heroic things in Episode Nine. The audience sympathising with him more and more and believing that his change of heart is genuine, his reconciling with General Organa before she dies, and leadership of the Resistance falls to Finn, who has become her most worthy and trusted successor. Kylo and Rey have come to a strong understanding by this point, at least as allies and possibly romantic. Kylo is still Kylo, but definitely enlightened and struggling with guilt over Han and his past crimes. In the end, Finn, being the compassionate person he is, and knowing, knowing Rey and Kylo share a false bond, decides to give Kylo a full pardon. I think the emotional weight of that decision would be phenomenal, considering Finn has forgiven the man who hurt him and served the very establishment that stole him from his family. What do you guys think? Can Kylo live through a redemption arc? What are the ways to redeem Kylo that would be suitable, but also realistic, and accepted by the fandom? Whew, that's a big question! Mm. <laughs> Oh, wow. Uh, what are your thoughts on this, Kirsty? Um, I do think that Kylo could live. Mm. Um, and I think that's maybe one of the ways they're going to distinguish his arc from Vader's, because yeah. Vader's redemption was very last minute. Yeah. Um, and because we can already see that Kylo is in conflict and we know that he regrets killing Han now, I feel like it's going to be more of a steady trajectory. It, yes. it won't be like clean and simple, but... Um, I think we're going to see more of that development than we did with Vader, which was like just at the last second, like, oh yeah, okay, I'm going to save my son. Yeah. Um, 
but it I don't be like a last minute change of heart basically. yeah but I don't think that means he would get off scot-free like I think they're no. going to have to be he's going to have to make some sacrifices and I think they're probably going to go that way yeah um, with him maybe sacrifice well you know appearing to sacrifice his life to save maybe Ray or Finn or his mum or something yeah um and then I don't know like making that transition from selfish to selfless and and really kind of repenting in that genuine way but who knows it's so up in the air yeah i, mean, no, I think they're going with the redemption art but there's a million ways they can do it so yeah no it's so hard i don't think you can really like plan out exactly what would happen like it's really fun to don't get me wrong i, I do it in my head all the time oh yeah it's fun to speculate, <laughs> yeah. but i don't let myself get attached to any fixed outcome because that way lies disappointment for sure because I'm, i don't want to come up with how the story is going to be you know i want the i want it to wow me so yeah no definitely i think i try not to think beyond broad strokes too much so i have expectations for the broad direction about where things will go but i try not to get too committed to particular paths to those outcomes if that makes sense because like kirsty says in that way lies disappointment um but yeah to like get back to Melian's question I absolutely think that Kylo could live and I think he'd almost have to to justify why you would redeem this character because it would have to be different from Vader like Kirsty says because one of the main criticisms of Force Awakens is how derivative it is of the original trilogy and I can just hear it now if they were to redeem Kylo through like redemption and death like they did with Vader you'd be attracting a massive renewed onslaught of those same criticisms. Mm-hmm. So it'd be people saying, we've seen this before, why are you just showing it to us again? And I just think there's so much more storytelling potential and character potential if you leave Kylo Ren alive. And I I don't really realistically see him getting a full pardon or anything like that, especially from Finn. Like, I think if Rey and Kylo do become romantic or like attached in like a really like strong and powerful way then i think finn would really struggle with that and find it very difficult and i think the best anyone would ever hope from that character in relation to kylo would almost be i still don't like you but i'm gonna let you go on this occasion because i know how much it means to my friend like Mm. something like that I, i i can't see like any real scenario where kylo and finn become like allies fighting side by side or anything going that far in the other direction like i think i can just believe in it become more like neutral but like i'm not sure i can get past what happened but <sighs> yeah like i know that ray cares for you so therefore i'm going to be a bit more kind than i probably should be yeah it's hard to to say really because i would hope that finn and kylo could reach some kind of understanding but mm. the difference is that we know that ray and kylo are going to have this kind of connection through the force and she's able to see his thoughts and conflict whereas finn doesn't have access to that same information and connection yeah um so he's almost he's almost gonna be having to take ray's word for it if it gets to the point where she believes in the goodness in kylo ren mm. he's gonna have to be like well okay uh, you, you know what i mean like unless he does something in front of finn that causes him to change his own mind yeah but it, there's too many moving parts for that right now um kind of got to wait and see what eight plays out as um and I, I can't see carlo and finn having too many scenes together in that if any but in nine they're gonna have to bring all of these various characters back together in some capacity 
yeah for some kind of resolution so guess we'll see mm. exactly and i don't know i mean is the resistance itself able to give pardons like they're not the political center right yeah like unless they kind of like become the interim government or something because obviously the new republic was destroyed so there's going to have to be some kind of emergency government. We'll, well it, was the, it was the capital of the New Republic, but I'm sure not every senator was there, right? Yeah, it's true. Like, it's almost like real life political situations. Like, if there's this massive power vacuum, then what feels it? Mm. Because often you find there's like these military junters where like a, like a gang of like high-ranking military officials will just form a government because there's nothing else there right. or because they forcibly seize power. But obviously that would be more what the villainous side would do than what the heroic side would do. And because we currently understand the resistance to be heroic, I, I'm not sure they'd go for that whole we're forming a military dictatorship angle. Mm. <laughs> um, but it's possible they could do something like that while showing it in more kind terms. They would not refer to it as a dictatorship. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, right, have we said everything we want to say about that question? I think so. I mean, we we both think that redemption's coming, but it's t- too early to say exactly how that would play out. Yeah, um, no, exactly. So I think we'd both bet a reasonable amount of money on redemption happening at this point, but we wouldn't bet any money on how that is going to happen. Right. Yeah. So that is our statement on that. And we hope you find it interesting. (laughs) Um, Right. So that brings us to the end. Because again, we're just going through a a period where we're keeping shows short. We're only really doing news and questions. Um, But yeah, we will be back for Spotlight soonish. So keep listening and persisting. (laughs) We will get back to the regular scheduled programming soon enough. Um, But yeah, so I am Rachel and you can find me on Tumblr at Star Wars Nonsense or on WordPress at Journal of the Star Wars. And Kirsty? I'm on Tumblr at Bastilla Bay and Twitter at Scavengers Horde. So we hope you enjoyed the show. Feel free to email us if you have any questions or feedback and we hope you tune in next week. Bye. Bye.